Today's Thursday, September 7th, 2023, and this is 5 at 8. With you today are Linda Carlisle and Mark Overman. In this episode, we'll talk about the launch of the XRism satellite and moon sniper lunar lander by the Japanese space agency JAXA. We'll also discuss the delay of a strike at LNG facilities in Australia, Huawei's release of a new smartphone amidst U.S. trade restrictions, the successful growth of a human embryo model using stem cells, and Russia's agreement with Turkey to handle 1 million metric tons of grain for Africa. Stay tuned for all the news of the day. Story number one. According to CNN International, the Japanese space agency, JAXA, is set to launch the Exorism satellite and the moon sniper lunar lander on Wednesday night. Exorism, a joint mission between JAXA and NASA, will observe the universe's hottest regions and objects using X-ray light. The satellite contains two instruments, Resolve and Extend, which will provide detailed insights into cosmic phenomena. The Moon Sniper Lander, on the other hand, will attempt a pinpoint landing near a small lunar impact crater called Shioli to investigate the composition of rocks and uncover the Moon's origins. This mission is crucial for JAXA's goal of achieving precise landings on the Moon and exploring resource-rich areas. Where do I even start, Linda? The launch of the XRism satellite and Moon Sniper Lunar Lander by the Japanese Space Agency is downright exciting. It's like we're witnessing a new era in space exploration technology. What do you think this means for our understanding of the universe? These advancements are truly groundbreaking. The XRism satellite in particular is set to offer us new insights into celestial phenomena. This is primarily due to its ability to detect X-ray light, a wavelength invisible to U.S. humans. X-rays are emitted by some of the universe's most energetic objects and events, so having the ability to study them more closely could open up a whole new world of discovery. That's fascinating. So, by studying these X-rays, we could potentially learn more about things like stellar explosions and supermassive black holes. That's, uh, it's just wild to think about, isn't it? Indeed, it is, Mark. But it's not just about learning more about these phenomena. The Exorism satellite is equipped with two special instruments, Resolve and Extend which will help scientists determine the source, composition, motion, and physical state of X-rays. This could help us unlock cosmic mysteries, such as the chemical details of glowing hot gas inside galactic clusters. The level of detail that Exorism is expected to provide will be unparalleled. Wow, I... I can't wait to see what comes out of this. And then there's the Moon Sniper Lunar Lander. It's got a pretty cool name, huh? It does, doesn't it? The name Moon Sniper actually refers to the lander's high-precision landing technology, which is designed to land at a specific location within 100 meters. This level of precision is a significant improvement on past landers, which could only target within the kilometer range. If successful, this technology could transform future lunar explorations, allowing us to land exactly where we want. That's... that's incredible. Landing where we want, instead of just where we can, it's like we're taking control of space, isn't it? It's like we're not just passive observers anymore, but active participants. It's... it's just amazing, Linda. It certainly is, Mark. And what's even more fascinating is that the Moon Sniper isn't just about landing. It's also set to study the lunar surface, focusing on a small lunar impact crater near the Sea of Nectar. The findings from this study could potentially help scientists uncover the origins of the moon. So, it's not just about landing where we want, 
but also about understanding where we've landed. Story number two. According to the BBC, a strike at two major liquefied natural gas, LNG facilities in Australia, has been delayed as talks between Chevron and unions continue. The work stoppages, originally planned to start on Thursday, have been postponed until Friday as negotiations continue over pay and conditions. The strike could potentially impact global energy markets if it escalates to full stoppages, with around 6% of global supply coming offline. However, experts do not expect a protracted strike due to the intervention of Australia's industrial arbitrator, the Fair Work Commission. Australia is one of the world's largest exporters of LNG, along with Qatar and the U.S. When you look at it, Linda, the delayed strike at the LNG facilities in Australia is just a small blip in the big picture. These things happen in business. It's all part of the rough and tumble of the free market. And in the long run, this could even be a catalyst for positive change. It might push companies to review their pay and conditions and improve their relationship with their employees. Well, Mark, I see where you're coming from, but I must say I see it differently. Of course, labor disputes are part and parcel of any business, but this isn't just about Chevron or the workers. This has global implications. It's not just a small blip when Australia is one of the world's largest exporters of LNG, and any disruption in its supply could potentially affect energy markets worldwide. Sure, Linda, I understand your point. But let's not forget that the Fair Work Commission is already working on it. They're designed to intervene early to prevent long disputes. And energy analyst Saul Kavanik himself said he didn't believe the first round of stoppages would have a major impact on gas supplies. So shouldn't we trust in the system? I appreciate your optimism, Mark. But the fact remains that even the possibility of a full stoppage could cause prices to spike, especially given the current geopolitical situation. And while I do have faith in the system, I also believe in being prepared for all possibilities. The threat of rolling full stoppages from mid-September is real, and we need to recognize that. Well, Linda, we'll have to agree to disagree on this one. But hey, that's what makes these discussions interesting, right? It's always enlightening to hear your viewpoint. Let's hope for a peaceful resolution to the strike, for the sake of the workers, the company, and the global energy market. Story number three. During Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo's recent visit to China, Huawei unveiled a new smartphone powered by an advanced chip that showcases China's technological independence, as reported by the New York Times. The release of the phone coincided with Raimondo's trip, during which she defended U.S. trade restrictions to Chinese officials. The U.S. has been increasing restrictions on selling advanced chips and machinery to China, particularly to Huawei, in an effort to hinder China's technological advancements. However, the new Huawei phone suggests that the company has found a way around these restrictions, potentially using American technology in violation of the rules. The release of the phone raises questions about the future stance of the U.S. Department of Commerce in relation to China's access to American technology. Chinese social media and news sites celebrated the phone's release as evidence that U.S. restrictions cannot hold China back. Analysts note that while Huawei's development of the phone does not indicate a significant leap forward for Chinese technological prowess, it demonstrates the incentives for Chinese firms to collaborate and innovate with their existing capabilities in response to U.S. controls. Good morning, Linda. Well, here's a curveball from Huawei, right? They've released a shiny new phone in the middle of our Secretary of Commerce's China tour. To me, 
it's clear as day that this is a testament to the resilience and creativity of Chinese tech companies. Despite the trade restrictions, they've found a way to continue innovating and advancing, proving that they won't be easily stifled by external pressures. I see where you're coming from, Mark, but I'm not sure if I entirely agree. Yes, Huawei releasing this phone amidst the trade restrictions is significant. However, we need to consider the broader implications. It's not just about inventiveness. It's about the potential violation of trade restrictions. American technology and machinery are likely still being used, which is a direct breach of those restrictions. Well, Linda, I see your point. But isn't it a bit of a catch-22? The more the U.S. tries to suppress China's tech growth, the more it seems to motivate the Chinese to innovate and circumvent these restrictions. It's almost like we're inadvertently pushing them to achieve technological independence faster. That's an interesting perspective, Mark, but consider this. While these innovative workarounds may seem impressive, they're time-consuming and result in a higher proportion of defective chips. So it's not necessarily a win for China. Instead, it could be seen as a desperate attempt to keep up, which has its own set of problems. Hmm, there's truth in that, Linda. But I think we can both agree that this whole scenario underscores the importance of technology in the global power dynamic. It's a complex chess game, and every move counts. It's a delicate balance and the stakes are high. This is not just about smartphones or chips. It's about national security, economic growth, and the future of global technology leadership. Story number four. Scientists at the Weizmann Institute of Science, as reported by the BBC, have successfully grown a model of a human embryo using stem cells without the use of sperm, eggs, or a womb. The embryo model closely resembles a real 14-day-old embryo and even released hormones that resulted in a positive pregnancy test in the lab. The aim of creating embryo models is to provide an ethical way of studying the early stages of human development, which are poorly understood and a major source of miscarriage and birth defects. The researchers use naive stem cells that were reprogrammed to become various types of cells found in early embryos. Although the embryo models cannot be used to achieve pregnancy, they could help scientists understand the development of different cell types and potentially improve in vitro fertilization success rates. The study raises ethical questions about the regulation of embryo models and the possibility of mimicking embryo development beyond the 14-day stage. It's incredible to think about, isn't it? Scientists have essentially grown a model of a human embryo without the use of a sperm, an egg, or even a womb. We're living in an era where the line between science and science fiction is getting increasingly blurred. I mean, this could revolutionize our understanding of early human development and possibly even improve in vitro fertilization success rates. It's absolutely mind-blowing. The potential positive implications are vast, but it's equally important to consider the ethical implications of such advancements. Creating a model of a human embryo that's so close to the real thing raises questions about the sanctity of life and our understanding of what it means to be human. Remember when cloning first became a reality? It opened up a Pandora's box of ethical and legal dilemmas, which we're still grappling with. You're correct. And that's why it's crucial to have these discussions as these advancements are taking place. It's not enough to just marvel at the science. We need to be proactive about addressing the ethical and societal implications. On one hand, imagine being able to study genetic disorders or even miscarriages in a lab setting. But on the other hand, where do we draw the line? At what point does a model embryo become more than just a model? And what about the legal standpoint? 
These models are currently legally distinct from actual embryos, but as they become more and more similar, should our legal definitions expand as well? It's a complex issue, and it's not just about the law but about societal acceptance too. We've seen with other scientific advancements like stem cell research or genetic manipulation that societal acceptance plays a significant role in how these technologies are adopted and regulated. Couldn't agree more, Linda. Let's not forget the concept of designer babies, which was once a thing of science fiction, but is now a potential reality. The question we need to ask ourselves is, just because we can, does it mean we should? These are the kind of ethical dimensions that need to be explored alongside the scientific progress. It's a fascinating, albeit challenging, time for science and society. Story number five. Russia has announced that Turkey has agreed in principle to handle one million metric tons of grain that Russia plans to send to Africa at a discounted price with financial support from Qatar, as reported by Reuters. The arrangement was proposed by Moscow after quitting a deal that allowed Ukraine to ship grain safely from its Black Sea ports. Russia has been trying to court African countries by offering them free or discounted grain. Turkey would handle the onward export of the Russian grain, but the details of its role are unclear. Russia claims to have quit the prior deal due to obstacles to its own grain and fertilizer exports created by sanctions, as well as the lack of grain reaching the poorest countries. Have you noticed, Linda, how history has a funny way of repeating itself? Just like in the Cold War era, we're seeing food being used as a tool for geopolitical influence. Russia's move to provide African countries with discounted grain is a clear attempt to project strength and influence, especially with the financial backing from Qatar. It's an intricate web of geopolitics and commodities. The grain essentially becomes a chip in a high-stakes poker game, with countries like Russia hoping to gain favor and foster alliances. The interesting twist here is Turkey's involvement, though details are sparse. It reminds me of the age-old practice of hunger diplomacy, where food, or in this case grain, is used as a form of soft power. Right, Linda. And the pivot from Ukraine to Africa is something to note. While Russia claims it's due to obstacles created by sanctions, it's hard not to see it as a means to pressure its rival Ukraine. This is especially pertinent considering the recent escalations in the region. It's like they're saying, hey, if you won't let us export our grain, we'll find someone who will. Russia's withdrawal from the deal with Ukraine and the subsequent attacks on Ukrainian ports and grain stores further intensify the situation. Accusations of Russia weaponizing food during conflicts are not unfounded. It's a distressing reality of how food can be used as a weapon of war, affecting innocent civilians caught in the crossfire. And we can't overlook the ethical implications of this, Linda. While Russia may argue humanitarian motivations, the fact remains that the poorest countries are often left wanting. It's a harsh reality check on how global food security and economic stability can be at the mercy of geopolitical maneuvering. It's a complex issue that underscores the need for multilateral cooperation and ethical considerations in global trade, as well as a sobering reminder that food security, a basic human right, can often become entangled in the web of international politics. That's it for this morning. Have a great day and see you all tomorrow. Five at Eight is researched, written, and performed by artificial intelligence. For more information, visit botcaster.ai.